Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I didn't even think- First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, Birds fans, this is Connor from Eagles Unfiltered here, and we have a surprise for you. We have agreed to a sponsorship with Manscaped, and that comes with a promo code that you can benefit from. Enough letting your long cocks hide behind that Somalo bush. Take care of your Dickerson and protect it from sweat by using promo code GOBIRDS for 20% off your order plus free shipping on Manscaped.com. That's 20% off your order plus free shipping on all Manscaped products by using promo code GOBIRDS. That's capitalized everything. G-O-B-I-R-D-S. No spaces at all. Go birds slay your lady with a clean balls act and enjoy manscapes miles of products through eagles unfiltered sponsorship a deal so good it hurts again head to manscape.com and say go birds for 20 percent off plus free shipping your balls will thank you all right thanks for tuning in to another episode of eagles unfiltered on the blev podcast network powered by eagle maven of sports illustrated and we are also presented by Bet Online AG, PlayActionPools.com, and now Manscaped. You can use our promo code GOBIRDS, G O B I R D S, no spaces, capitalize the whole entire thing. GOBIRDS for 20% off plus free shipping on any orders on Manscaped.com. We are proud to be powered by Manscaped now. And Ed, what? an episode to talk about because there is so much going on with the Eagles right now after that 17 to 11 loss to San Francisco 49ers. I think a lot of fans, you know, the hype from beating the Atlanta Falcons 32 to six has come down to reality a little bit after that loss. And a lot of fans are questioning Nick Sirianni a little bit more. Uh, Jalen Hurts, his arm strength is being continuously discussed on social media. I think it's an overreaction already now. I think we're already in the overreaction phase and we're only two weeks into the season. Now, was I confident in what I saw? Absolutely not. Am I worried? No. No, Ed, because the whole entire time we're talking in this offseason and they hired Nick Sirianni, I've pretty much been sticking to my gun saying this is going to be a year where I just want to see progress. You know, Nick Sirianni is a first-time play caller. His offensive coordinator has not fully called plays either. He's always on a manageable basis with the Los Angeles Chargers when it came to play calling. You know, they brought in the quarterback coach, Brian Johnson from Florida. Yes, he was the offensive coordinator there, but he did not call plays either. Dan Mullen did. You know, this is this is going to be an adjustment period for this team. Kevin Patul, the passing game coordinator, never called plays either. Like, this is something that they're going to grow. 
into their roles with the Eagles. Like Jeffrey Lurie knew what he was doing when he hired Nick Sirianni. He knew that there was going to be times where this is going to, the product was going to look like on offense. He's going to have to figure himself out because when plan a, the intermediate stuff on offense didn't work against the San Francisco 49ers defense. He had no definitive plan B. At least that's what I thought. You know, I've I've watched the game. I can only watch it twice. Ed, I'm telling you. You know, I rewatched that Falcons game four times to write stuff for the articles. I can't bear to watch this game more than twice. It's it's frustrating uh, to watch this game plan, to watch this play calling. Uh, you know, this is going to be some growing pains with Nick Sirianni. And that's what I took away from this game. Uh, am I and I out on him? Am I doubting Jalen Hurts? Am I doubting Nick Sirianni going forward? No, I think they just got out coached now by uh, Kyle Shanahan, who's a great coach in this in this league, and D'Amico Ryan's, who was one of the better linebackers of our era. You know, the, the, they went up, the, you have to tip your hat to the 49ers. That's a good team they went up against. Sure. And the rookie head coach showed, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're on the uh, season roller coaster here, up and down, up and down. I mean, that's the way it's going to be. And that's why I, I think you had them with seven wins. I have them with nine. Um, I think expectations after that opening Blowout in Atlanta were really heightened. Um, there were more things expected. There was an excitement. And now we saw Sunday what I think we're going to see all year. We're going to see good and we're going to see bad. And Sunday was bad when it came to, like you said, not having a plan B when the intermediate stuff was taken away. Um, we saw some questionable play calling, some curious play design. Um, and this is stuff that has to get straightened out. But I don't think we've seen the last of this. I don't think we've seen the last of the team that we saw in week one either. So, you know, this is part of the roller coaster. You know, fans are down after a loss. They overreact. They were overreacted after the opener. Um, but listen, you try to stay even keeled and you understand that, yeah, this this is a transition year, like Lurie said. And it, it, it goes beyond the personnel. It goes to the coaching staff as well. They They need to grow together. They need to learn. Uh, their strength and weak strengths and weaknesses. They need when they self evaluate themselves. They have to see what they can do better, what they did poorly, and learn from it. And you hope that they can. I mean, it's a smart staff. I think they will uh, learn these lessons over time. Um, but you know, it was his second game as a head coach, and you know, we're already throwing him, you know, throwing him into the fire here uh, for not doing well. I mean, listen, this to not expect that. Uh, you know, is kind of your own fault if you expected something greater. I mean, okay, he's going to struggle. There's no doubt. Um, you know, Doug Peterson won his first three games as a head coach uh, in 2016, and they ended up seven and nine. And then they came back and won the Super Bowl. So you hope that, you know, as these growing pains are taking place, that they're going to be playing better in November and December, and then launch into what could be a playoff run next year. But this year. We're going to have to endure this, and we're, we're going to have to try to stay even keeled, not get too high and not get too low, because it's a it's a work in progress. And we saw that on Sunday, and now they have the big Monday nighter in Dallas, um, where you hope some of these corrections are made, uh, and they have a decent game plan. And if something is taken away by Dan Quinn at the D.C. in Dallas, then they can adjust and, and, and prove something. I will say, Connor, I like what the defense is doing. I like the way Jonathan Gannon has – has run this defense. They're not getting beat with anything over their heads, which we saw repeatedly last year in Jim Schwartz's offense or defense. Um, you know, they gave up their first chunk play plus 20 yards 
late in the first half that led to the Niners touchdown. It was a 40-yard game, but it wasn't anything over their head. It was kind of a 15-yard throw to Debo Samuel, who did the rest with his legs and his speed, outrunning the secondary before he was finally tracked down. So, you know, I like the way this defense is playing. They've only given up two touchdowns in three in two games. I mean, that's pretty good. 23 points. So we'll see if that can continue. Um but that, I do like that about this team is their defense is, is maybe better than we thought. But again, you don't want to overreact. I mean, Gannon's still young in this in, in his job as a defensive coordinator, just like Sirianni is as a head coach. So we may see some growing pains there, too. But uh, right now, that seems to be trending in the right direction. And even after that loss in San, against San Francisco, I think the Eagles and, and Nick Sirianni are still trending in, in the right direction. I completely agree. I completely agree. And not only that, Jonathan Gannon is a stud. You know, he is a future head coach in this league. Uh, the, you know, when he was touted as the next Brandon Staley, I'm somewhat seeing that so far. And it's early, though. It's early. And, you know, we didn't see it immediately with the with the Los Angeles Rams last year either until it got later into the season. I mean, the Rams defense was phenomenal under Brandon Staley. It was the reason why he got a head coaching job. Yeah. Um, but the growing pains on defense are about to happen now with Brandon Graham being out for the season. That's the heart and soul of this defense, the heart and soul of this team, to be honest with you, Ed. Um, To me, you know, I'm going to sing the praises of Jonathan Gannon real quick, though. I mean, he's we have to enjoy the ride with him as as long as it is, because it's going to be very short. He's he's heading out to be a head coach soon. Well, here's what I like what he does. He he plays the, you know, the cover two, cover three. He doesn't want to get that's the way you have to play defense in the NFL today. You know, you have to make teams be efficient keep things short, make them try to go, uh, you know, a long distance and a long and a big number of plays, hope there's a mistake along the way or a big third down defensive stand. But he plays defense the way you're supposed to play in this league now, not leaving guys on an island on the cornerbacks. He keeps his safeties back for help. And and that's the way you got to do it. It's a, it's an offensive minded league. Uh, and he's adjusted to that by with the scheme that he plays. And we've been saying that all off season, you know, the best thing about Jonathan Gannon and bringing in, you know, guys like Anthony Harris and, having Rodney McLeod back is the safety support that these corners are going to get. And this pass defense is so much more efficient and better. Uh, You know, I know Anthony Harris is kind of making me look bad for how much I've been hyping him up all off season. But I think, you know, that pass interference call on Muhammad Sanu is inexcusable. That was an awful play on Anthony Harris's part. So I will take my, it was a bad play. You know, you can't do that, especially against Sanu. He shouldn't even be in the league anymore. Come on. Like, But I will say, Anthony Harris will be a lot better, I believe, when Rodney McLeod returns. You know, yes, Brandon Graham was the heart and soul of this team, but at least Rodney McLeod can provide a pulse. You know, we really underestimate how much Rodney McLeod matters to the secondary, how he matters to this defense. When his return is, when he's finally back out there and he's healthy, uh, pairing him with Anthony Harris... I think this this pass defense is only going to get better. It's going to create more opportunities for this weaker pass rush now. Because Ed, to me, Ryan Kerrigan is cooked. I mean, he looked bad. That one pressure he had against Jimmy Garoppolo, where he should have the sack and he completely whipped on him, and Garoppolo uh, dodges it with little effort. It, it looked like to me, Ryan Kerrigan's at that Connor Barwin 2016 point where he just doesn't fit the defense, and you know they he's just done. You know, that's where that's where I think Ryan Kerrigan's at in my mind right now, unless he proves me otherwise. Yeah. Uh he looks like he's a little he looks like he's just done. And you know, phenomenal player. It was a phenomenal player, but it looks like he's brought in for name value now, hoping to re bring back that Chris Long magic where it's just not gonna happen. Well you know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that it's just kind of a two game 
you know, kind of get, get your feet under you type situation with Kerrigan. Um, I'm, I'm going to withhold judgment on whether he's cooked or not after two games. Uh, he knows now that he's going to be counted on more now that Brandon Graham is out. So if he has anything left, you hope that he finds it and he's able to elevate his play to, you know, an acceptable level. But listen, you know, it's going to take a lot of people to take Brandon Graham's place uh, on the field and even in, in the leadership department. Now, you know, Brandon said he's going to continue to be a part of this team. He's going to be in the locker room. I'm not sure he can be on the sidelines because he'll have a uh, – I think he's in a cast for two weeks with this Achilles rupture, and then he's going to be in an air boot for another couple of weeks, and then he's going to have the surgery. So, you know, I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to be on the sideline during the game, but he can be in that locker room. Uh, providing, you know, the fun that he provides and the, and the laugh that he gives and, uh, you know, all those intangible things. But on the field, you're going to need a player like Kerrigan to kind of find if he has anything left. Now's the time. Let's step up and do it. And then you're going to probably have to turn to a couple rookies as well. You'll, you'll, you'll start Sweat. You'll start Barnett. Uh, and one thing I like what Jonathan Gannon has done is usually you have your defensive end on the same side throughout the whole game. That's what they did under Schwartz. But during camp, Gannon has decided to give them time on both sides of the line. So Sweat can come in and play that right side. He can play the left side. Barnett can flip back and forth. Um, Barnett's a concern, obviously, another stupid penalty. Uh, But they're going to need those two guys especially to step up. Then you have Kerrigan, and then you probably have rookies in Milton Williams who, you know, early in camp they put at defensive end before moving him back into D-tackle. And he looked, you know, pretty good as a D-end. So you may see him playing some D-end. Teron Jackson, I'm not sure. He has not looked, you know, very good to me uh, in the early going, especially when he needed to play a little bit more against the Niners. Just, I know he's going against Trent Williams there. It's a tough draw, but listen, every NFL tackle is very good to go against. Teron Jackson needs to just work on his moves, get stronger, and I'm not sure you're going to be able to do that uh, this season. Um, So I'm not sure how big a role he'll play, but Milton Williams, you know, I think he can fit the bill. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Joe Osman is, is I think still available out there. Um, maybe he gets the call. You can bring him up. I'm not sure what he gives you. Um, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to fill that, that role that Graham provided in setting the edge and rushing the passer. Monumental. We yeah. can't, we, we really can't underestimate it. I mean, look how I, I felt the defense lost its rhythm when Brandon Graham left the field. Because I'm going to just call a spade a spade. Derek Barnett's not a good player. It's yeah. just the truth. Uh, whatever they can possibly get out of it. The reason why they keep him on the field for so long, which, again, I think is just ridiculous now. You need to, they need to get rid of this, this thought in their head after handing Josh Sweat that contract. They, this needs to go away. But the reason why they keep Derek Barnett so long on the field is he's good against the run. He's great against the run. I'll give it to him. He is. But I don't care about that. Honestly, I'm so tired of defensive ends being great against the run. You need to provide pass rush, and he does not at all. He does not finish his pass rush. He consistently does not finish his pass rushes, and he does dumb, like you just brought up, dumb penalties game in and game out that really cost your defense. Cost your defense big time. I, if I if it wasn't for Brandon Graham being injured and I'm the coach of this team, I'm pulling the Nelson Aguilar making you inactive in 2016 um, act on you for acting up like that. You know, you're in your head. Again, you do a stupid penalty because you're in your head. You don't think about the team, and you cost the team big on third down. Like, an inexcusable. Inexcusable. Yeah. Hit the bench. You're inactive for the next game. Maybe you can learn from this. 
Yeah, but it's not going to happen. I mean, he'll. It's not going to happen. They have no now. choice. Yeah, they have no choice. They can't because Brandon yeah. Graham's out. But I mean, I think they would even if Graham weren't out. I don't think they're going to do that with Derek Barnett. But um, he's just a bad player. I mean, you know, I, I I did the story yesterday, and you know, Barnett's got more penalties than he has sacks. You know, he's got twenty penalties Pathetic. in his career, nineteen and a half sacks. He's got eight personal foul penalties in 14th his career. Pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, he he's thank God for Josh White in two thousand eighteen because they whiffed. I'm sorry, they got. There's no way you can give Derek Barnett a second contract with his team. There's absolutely no way. You know, isn't that isn't that funny how like when you look at how things have gone at a different couple different positions? Like in 2011, they whiffed on Danny Watkins, but they hit on Jason Kelsey because High Roseman's way better in day three of the draft than he is in the first two. <laughs> yeah, 2018, they hit on Mulata in the seventh round, but they whiff on on Dillard in the first round in 2019, and that and now you just referenced, you know, Barnett. They whiffed on him. It looks like. I mean, you know, he he had some good moments. Um, especially his rookie year. I thought he was going to be a stud after a, a pretty solid so season. Um, but but they, miss, you know, they kind of miss on him, but they hit on sweat in the fourth round. So that's kind of weird how that works out. You know, it's true so because, much- I mean, you know, they whiffed on Rasul Douglas and Sidney uh, yeah. Jones, but Avante Maggs ended up being a starter for them ever since they drafted him. Right. So. Yeah. Later pick. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really bizarre. I mean, it's so much focus goes in that first round and, and rightfully so, but you know, the success of this team is built on late round picks, mid to late round picks. This is the first year in a long time where they didn't ever have to, they didn't have to overthink a first round pick though. They, they went with the best player available on the board. Right. And look how it's working. It's going to work out for them. Devonte Smith is going to be the, a beast. But I mean, when you pick that high, you can do that. And they, they felt they did that in 2017. Yeah. You know, Derek Barnett was highly touted coming out of Tennessee. He broke Reggie Wright's sack record, but he's just, you know, for years I've been calling him an average. I mean, ever since we started this podcast, I've said, you know, you got to just be honest with yourself. Derek Barnett's an average player. I don't even know if he's that now. Honestly, I don't. Well, we're going to find out because there's going to be a lot put on his plate. Yeah, and he's just, not going to be able to leave the field now. Yeah. I mean, you know, but getting back to Graham, I mean, and I wrote about this is, you know, what's the long-term future for Brandon Graham? And, you know, he's going to be 34 in April next season and coming off a, a pretty serious injury and an Achilles and uh, you know, his contract, he's like, he's got voidable years at the end. He's going to make over not, you know, his salary cap hit is a nine point something million next year. I mean, they're going to have to work out a new contract. Barn or Graham has said that he wants to return. He wants to retire as an Eagle. So I'm sure they can work something out, but at what effectiveness, how, how effective is he going to be at 34? Um, coming off I mean, an Achilles injury, <clears throat> the Achilles is rough. Let's yeah. just be honest. Achilles, coming off the Achilles is rough. That that will be something I will be concerned about. But he doesn't have that much tread on his tires. We still have to remember that. You know, he was first couple four years in this league. He's not playing as much as he should for a first round pick. Yeah. So I I yeah I don't think he has as much wear. I know Jim Schwartz's attacking system asked a lot of his defensive ends, but. You know, I don't. I again, Achilles is tough though at the age of thirty four to come back from. So yeah, I I hear your point on that. And I think I think it's all in everybody else's mind too, especially the front offices. But yeah. I mean, they're gonna bring him back, and they're gonna bring him back at a lower rate. He's gonna yeah. work with the team. And yeah. He's a team player first. But I mean, I I don't think it's the end of him being productive. Yeah, I yeah. Don't I'm, I'm not sure it's a wear and tear issue as much as it is when you're thirty when you're thirty four years old. Some of those skill sets that you possessed younger just you don't have anymore you know your explosion your speed um, right physically think, you're not the same player as true. you were when you were 23 now you're 34 i mean I, you know that's a lot of years 
that have gone by. Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's going to be, I mean, if if you're going to bet on somebody, you're going to bet on Brandon Graham. There's no doubt. I mean, he's just that kind of personality, that kind of person really driven and and motivated to, to, to succeed. Um, But I I wouldn't bet against him, but I'm just curious how it's going to look next year. Well, they're going to have to address defensive end. Yes. Like with one of those first round picks, it has to go to defensive end. Yep. That's what's the given. No question. Uh, and, you know, the the philosophy of this organization, regardless of what Jonathan Gannon's influence is, it's, they're going to draft the defensive end in the first round. Yeah. It's, like, you can, if you want to go bet on that now, go ahead. Because yeah. smash that bet. You're going to get a payout. Because they're going to draft the defensive end in the first round next year. Even if they decide Jalen Hurts isn't the guy and they have to go get another guy, they're still going to make sure they have ammunition in their back pocket to take a defensive end in the first round of this yeah. upcoming draft. They have to. Yeah, you know, right. even if you bring Brandon Graham back, you're letting Derek Barnett go. You're not touching him. You just keep Josh Sweat money. Which, again, we need. To, I'm I'm going to go into this after this little point. But if you're going to give him the forty million dollar deal, you got to have to play him as a starter. I, I'm twenty eight snaps against the 49ers. Is that what doesn't make sense? No. Yeah. yeah I, here's what I'm going to bring up now. So we're going to bring up a new segment, oh. powered by Manscaped. It's going to go hell nah. Clean that up. And each week, Ed and I, when we record, we're going to go, we're going to talk about something that needs to be cleaned up. Just like, you know, your balls by Manscaped. Promo code GOBIRDS for 20% off your order plus free shipping. So, okay, Ed, that's where I'm going to go into the, my sole critique of Jonathan Gannon. Look, I love the guy to death. Again, this does not mean he's not, I'm, I'm bashing him. I'm not questioning him. I understand. When Nick Sirianni had his press conference yesterday, and he addressed the issue of why Josh Sweat's snap count was as low as it was. And he goes, yeah, 21 personnel. They play that a lot, so we wanted to put our best run defenders out there. I, I understand that. I get that. But if you're going to give Josh Sweat a $40 million contract extension, put him on the field. He needs to be out there at all times. He's your best pass rusher, too. When BG goes down, you need your best pass rusher out there, and Josh Sweat needed to be out there. So 28 snaps, what is that? What was that? That was 40% of the time on the field. That's under 50%. Like that can't cut it if you're going to give a guy that contract extension. I'm sorry, and now they have no choice moving forward. Brandon Graham gone, but with your best pass rusher gone in that game, you, you, the tide really turned on defense with Brandon Graham left. They could have really used Joshua out there a little bit more. Uh, come on, man. Hell no, nah, clean that up. My next one is you have incredibly gifted tight ends. Use them. You know, I know we were pleading, we were pleading to get away from twelve personnel. Begging at times. And Nick Sirianni is definitely committed to 11 personnel. He's shown that. I think we can all take a breath of fresh air. 12 personnel, over 50% of usage is gone. Clearly. But when you have such an inexperienced wide receiver group adjusting to this new scheme, adjusting to this new offense, really, because, you, you know, Going away from shying away from 12 personnel to this 11 personnel offense when you decide to keep Zach Ertz, when you when when you have to pay Dallas Goddard, when you have such when you when you decided to get uh put Travis Fogelm on the practice squad, keep JJ Ortega Whiteside and make Quez Watkins a starter along with Jalen Rager, you know, you need to start doing what you're comfortable with and then sprinkling in the new stuff. Lean on your tight ends, especially in the red zone, man. Come on. Oh, hell no. Nah. Clean that up. <laughs> yeah. And and listen, use them throughout the game, too. I mean, you know, Zach Ertz had one target, one catch in the first half. 
uh, Dallas Goddard wasn't targeted until the fourth quarter. I mean, that that is really, really surprising. And then you saw he made the nice catch down on the goal line. Great throw from her. It's really triple coverage. He just zipped that pass right in there to Goddard down to about the two or three yard line. And that led to their only touchdown of the game. But I mean, you know, listen, Dallas Goddard. Uh, and and you know to even a lesser extent Zach Ertz they're they're weapons man you don't have to wait to the red zone use them throughout the game Goddard is your second best weapon behind Devontae Smith and Devontae Smith's still trying to figure it out you know that's going to take time too yeah that's fine his talent will figure it out by by mid season that's I'm not worried about that at all but I mean get your experienced guy out there and Goddard. Yeah. Lean on your security blankets when you when the offense is completely folding. Like hats off to Fred Warner, though. I will say Fred Warner played a masterful game. Yeah. And as always, that's what we should expect from him. Yep. But you have these two tight ends that you just did not utilize at all. And, and that bothers me when especially when the offense, your original plan A was folding, your plan B could have easily gone with go with your best pass catch, catching options on this team and your tight ends. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. And that bothered me. So Nick Sirianni, hell nah, clean that up. Promo code GoBirds on Manscaped.com for 20% off your order. Yeah. I uh, Listen, to me, it looked like Jalen Hurts tried to force the ball a little bit too much to Devontae Smith. And there was even a, a play on one occasion where I think Hurts rolled to his left and looked like Goddard was, you know, breaking free. Oh, he could have had him for the first down. Yeah. That was the third down play, too. Yeah. He could have easily just dumped it off for him and got the first, easy first down of that play. Right, right. But Smith was behind Goddard and covered, and yet he threw to Smith. So, it's almost like, you know, he's trying to, you know, force the ball to him. I mean, Smith was targeted seven times, and I don't know why Smith – it didn't look like he was open a lot of the times. and that was No, surprising. he was not. They covered him pretty well. Yeah, and, but with who? I mean, Josh Norman? I mean, he's washed up. They had a rookie starting on the other side, Demondre Lenore. They didn't take he advantage well. of that. Lenore played well, though, I thought, to be honest. I, you know, well, he gave that's up a where... 91-yard pass to Watkins. You know, right? They should. You're right, Ed. You're right. They should have yeah. took advantage of it more. That's that's the bottom yeah. line. You had such a weak secondary that you didn't take advantage of well enough. I I do had to again to Jamika Ryan's that defense. You know, played the 49ers defense is incredibly talented. Even with injuries, they know how to play with their depth. Sure. You know, they they, they scheme well to to aid those guys. They've you know, invested a lot of resources on defense in the draft, and and it I thought, and I thought, you know, this is a game where. This is Devontae Smith's got to take over. This is the game where you lean on your your number one wide receiver to your alpha guy to take over this game and take advantage of the fill-ins. But I also should have gave more credit to Jimmy Ward and Jakarsi Tart. Those guys are great safeties, and they're clearly intertwined together. They the chemistry there was insane. Yeah. You know, they played very well too. So but the bottom line is this is an NFL. And you're going to have matchups like that where you need to take advantage of and the Eagles just did not. And that's the bottom line. And yeah. to me, we, that play did bother me where he could have hit Goddard and got the first down, but he went to Devontae Smith anyways, who was covered and then was ended in the incompletion. But that's a young quarterback who is playing from behind, trying to score to me and going for the big play, thinking he had it. That's a young quarterback. You'll learn from that. He's going to watch that at the throne room and think, wow, I should, be, should just hit Dallas Goddard. I should have just went for the play that I knew I should have took what the defense gave me. Right. I did it this week because I was trying to go for the win. I was trying to be Superman. We had these problems with Carson Wentz. You know, we all like to forget that we had these problems with Carson Wentz, it seems like, because Jalen Hurts doesn't have the arm strength Carson Wentz does. And that's yeah. fine. Because, yeah. you know, when things fell out of structure for Carson Wentz, 2020 happened. 
he, he was erratic. He threw th- th- some of these easiest interceptions I've ever seen in my life. Right to the guys. Yeah. So, and that was with his arm strength because he overthrew most of those. Most of those overthrows that he did last year, I mean, most of those interceptions were overthrows. So if you want to, if, if arm strength is what you want, you're not going to get it with Jalen Hurts. It's fine. He will make those throws. He'll make that Quez Watkins throw. But like what other people are saying, I completely agree with it's, it's the timing of it. If he can't time down these throws, he's never going to be consistent enough to be uh, uh, to show off his arm strength on a consistent basis for fans to be satisfied with it. You know, yeah. Carson Wentz can time his throws. He's used to it. He has a big arm. Jalen Hurts doesn't have a big arm, but he can make those throws. He's just not used to it because he's never timed each one. He just throws it. Yeah. And that's why some of them look bad. Some of them look great. The one to Sean Jackson against Dallas last year looked great. He timed it perfectly. You know, the one to Quest Watkins, he didn't even time them that well. He just hit that perfectly. Landon Dickerson blew his guy right back into, uh, I think it was DJ Jones, right back into his face, and he still delivered that ball perfectly right into Quest Watkins' hands. You know, once he times these balls perfectly, the the deep balls will get there, but that's never going to be his game on a consistent basis, and I'm fine with that. It doesn't need to be, especially when things are out of structure. Trust me, I don't want that. So he looked like Carson Wentz last year when things came out of structure, and he tried to make the play and be Superman on himself. That's what I thought about Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and I thought he held the ball a little too long at times. I think the ball has to come out a little bit quicker. Uh, It's almost like he doesn't want to try to force anything. All his throws, and I saw the, the, the throw chart, they all seem to go to the right side. He hasn't really thrown anything over the middle on intermediate routes, and that's where you put the ball in jeopardy when you go over the middle. There's a lot of traffic there usually, but you know, you're going to have to eventually make those kinds of throws or defenses are just going to stop playing it, and they're going to load up on the corners. And uh, you know, I know Hertz doesn't have an interception in the first two games. The Eagles don't have any turnovers that they've committed in the first two games, but their defense hasn't taken the ball away either, which is kind of strange. Bob, they've had know, opportunities though. Yeah, they, That's why you know have, there's some there's some interceptions that they dropped where yeah, you know, fumble that they forced they couldn't them. recover. But you know, but the bigger thing is, is Hertz doesn't have a pick, but he hasn't thrown the ball really over the middle. And when you talk about getting the tight ends involved, you know that's kind of where the tight ends yeah. live is in the middle of the field. And if if you're not gonna if you're gonna be wary or hesitant to throw to the middle of the field, then the tight ends aren't gonna see any action and. Really, that's the most glaring thing for me that came out of this is he didn't test the middle of this defense at all. Uh, he know, has it this season yet. Right, he, right, in two games. Now, they're going to have to do that against Dallas. I mean, Dallas has some good linebackers, Jalen Smith and Micah Parsons now is down playing the defensive end a little bit because they missed Demarcus Lawrence. But, uh, you know, you're going to have to test the middle of that field. You're going to have to run some underneath stuff to Ertz and Goddard uh, to get them more involved. And that's where they have to be involved is in the middle of the field. Um, I don't know if Hertz is a, hesitant to go that in that direction or if it's more of a game plan thing. I'm not sure on that yet. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, probably. To be honest with you, I think, I think they're trying to, you know, they looked at one of his weaknesses last year and said, you know, your completion percentage was pretty bad. And, you know, you're not that really accurate targeting in the middle of the field. we got to work on it. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. completely eliminating it from the, from, the, from the game plan is a quick way to lose <laughs> games in the NFL, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you need that part of the field. Like, you can't just play two sides. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of quick slants either off the line, you know, from Smith, you know, with a couple jukes and and break inside for a quick hit, you know, eight-yard quick slant in. And and maybe if you hit him in stride, you can break something longer. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of that either. I mean, it just has not been a lot of inside throws. There is some positives to take away from Jalen Hurts, though. You know, for as much as we like to criticize his arm strength on social media, it seems like that he he 
put that that one drive, that scoring drive. You know, when he throws, when he finally gets Goddard involved, he throws that ball to him on a rope to get in yeah. that position to score. I mean, he put that drive on his back, and he led yeah. that team. So there's there's stuff to take yeah. away from Jalen Hurts that shows, you know. Unfortunately, this is the only season he's going to get the showcase that he can be the starting quarterback of this team, but uh, he deserves patience. He's not going to get it, but he does deserve patience because there's some signs there that think, make me think, you know, this guy can be a starting quarterback in this league and you can win games with him for sure by the way he plays. Yeah. Uh, 82 yards rushing. Uh, you know, I will say on that last drive, you know, he did scramble for big chunks on the ground with with his legs. But, you know, the 49ers defense was just playing, you know, deep coverage. So, yeah, the, that that was there and he took it. So, yeah, to his credit. But, you know, that was a product, too, of the 49ers defense, just not wanting to get beat with the big play. So they were kind of, right. you know, guarding against that and giving Hurts, you know, that running space, chew up the clock. You know, you're playing the clock, too, at that point if you're the 49ers defense. So, um, but, yeah, it is encouraging. We didn't see a whole lot of the, uh, you know, the RPO stuff uh, that I thought we would see. You know, we didn't see him do much of that, you know, sweeping the edge. Uh, and, again, you know, Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers, but still you got it. You have to do it. You have to try it. You can't just completely take that out of the game plan. It almost seemed like – you know, Sirianni had a plan, and then when that plan fizzled, he didn't know what to do. And, you know, you hope that it doesn't happen in Dallas. What did you take away from Sirianni's presser from a loss? You know, what did you think? I, I thought it was a pretty solid presser. I mean, he, you know, he's pretty honest about things. You know, he, he was asked about that fourth and goal pass that Ward threw. You know, he said it was, you know, he really didn't feel good about that play call. In fact, he wanted to call timeout. He was really down at that end of the field, and it looked like he was going to call time to rethink maybe even kicking a field goal or just a different play. But for some reason he hesitated uh, and did not call a timeout and that play fizzled, but you know, it wasn't just that play. It was the whole series of play calling. Once they, you know, Watkins brings them to the six, then you have the false start and then, you know, they get bailed out with the uh, Norman PI in the end zone. So they get a first and goal at the one and then you roll out, uh, Hertz. Ertz is the only one in the pattern. He's well covered. All right. So that's an incomplete pass. Then you try to run the ball over the right side. Um, you know, Landon Dickerson's in the game at that point, a rookie. Um, but you're trying to run it to the right side between Lane and 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 uh and Landon and goes for a minus three. Uh and then that uh, the third down, what was the third down? Uh, oh, that that read option that Ertz kept when it looked like maybe if he gave it to Sanders. Maybe Sanders. Right. Yeah. It was just a complete, you know, misfire on all the plays, and then of course the fourth down. But my impression of Sirianni post post game was he looked tired. It looked like he didn't sleep. It looked like he was watching the film, probably kicking himself for some of the decisions he made. But I thought it was a solid presser in that he gave some some decent answers. You know, pretty self reflective. Um, you know, I thought I thought he handled himself well. I mean, I thought I would I would probably give him an A in in the post game presser. You just hope you don't see see too many of those. Um, you know, in his career, but you know, I think we're going to see a few more this year for sure. And you hope that he continues to do it. But he looked like he really took this loss hard. He looked like yeah, exactly. He looked like he took the loss hard. And he looks like you know, if he was up watching the game, good. Yeah. To be honest with you, yeah. we. The thing that, and that's exactly what I've been saying all offseason. I just want to see progress. I just want to see progress. If he can take, take this, unstride, look himself in the mirror, and learn from it and improve from it, that's what you, exactly what the Eagles need from their head coach. 
the yeah. rookie head coach, mind you. Uh, you know, and that's what Jeffrey. I again, Jeffrey Lurie knew what he was doing. He knew he was hiring a first-time play caller. He knew this was going to happen. He knew there was going to be growing pains. It's again, you're get when you're giving out these Jordan Mulata contracts, you're giving out these Josh Sweat contracts, and you're using the logic we're paying you for the future, what you can become. They hire Nick Sirianni for what he, they think he can become. They didn't hire him for what he's going to do in 2021. Right. right. So that that's what's all it's going to be. And you know, I thought from listening to that presser, this is a guy who knows how to take accountability. His players are going to respect that accountability. He's never going to lose a locker room with that way when he takes a loss the, that way that personally himself. And, you know, when they come out on Dallas Monday Night Football, this should be a much improved offense. They should have a game plan down. And if it doesn't work out, they should already have a plan B in their back pocket that's getting ready to be used. Yeah, They shouldn't look completely lost like they did against the San Francisco defense. Right. You know, Dan Quinn has been around the league for a while. He's been in Seattle with a great defense. Uh, but he's not a good defensive coordinator. And the Dallas defense is not that talented outside of really Trevon Diggs right now. And Michael Parsons, you're right. Michael Parsons is playing well. But this is a very beatable defense, and it doesn't have their best pass rusher to Marcus Lawrence. This is the defense with with that you take advantage of uh, with Jalen Hurts' legs and Miles Sanders' legs and Kenny Gainwell as well. Well, yeah. you're going to have to score points. You're going to have to score points, no doubt, because that Dallas offense is pretty high-powered. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Tony Powered over 100 yards and that win over the Chargers. So you're going to have to figure out a way to score points. 11 points isn't going to win you the game. No, absolutely not. Gonna win you the game. You're, you're going to have to get this game into the 20s and maybe even the 30s to beat the Cowboys. That's why, you know, just because you brought that up, I, it was funny to me when I saw people, you know, did see some criticism of Jonathan Gannon for that game. And outside of the Josh Sweat criticism, I'm like, if you give up, you know, even really it's before that, that field goal that the 49ers got, if you give up 14 points, usually you win. If your defense gets up 14 points, you usually win nine times out of 10. So I don't know how I could really, you know, especially how that offense played. I don't know how anybody can blame Jonathan Gannon other than, oh, you know, the Josh White usage. Yeah, points allowed is like, you know, one of the number one things you look at when you look at a defense. And right now they've only given up 23 in two games. I mean, you He's know. masterful. That that's that's pretty good. Um, He's going against a Kyle Shanahan offense and a Matt Ryan led offense. Like this is, yeah. this is good. These are very positive signs from Jonathan Gannon. I'm not worried about. I mean, I am con- incredibly concerned about the defense without Brandon Graham. But I mean, yeah. I'm not worried about Jonathan Gannon's coaching though. I agree. I think he's, you know, I mean, with this defense, I mean, you know, he's he's playing what you're supposed to be playing schematically in the NFL with the three high, you know, the, the cover two, cover three look. Uh, I like that. Um, you know, I think they could get better play out of their linebackers, but that's more of a personnel situation. You know, I guess, you know, they don't have the linebackers. It, they, they don't. They, yeah. They need to improve that area and you hope that they will at some point. Um, that's going to have to be at a position they attack in free agency. I guess. Yeah. I mean, they've tried to go that route many times through the years. And no, they're going to have to finally say, you know, if we're going to commit to this defense, Jonathan Gann's running, we need a linebacker that can play sideline to sideline and be a factor. Uh, we're going to have to, you know, be a, a heavy suitor to pay top linebacker money on the, on this offseason, this market, because it shows how bad they need it yeah. against the run. I mean, yeah. I know they, again, they played the run very well against the 49ers, but Jim Schwartz's defense predicated on the defensive line stopping the run. It seems to me that they predicate on the linebackers filling the gaps to, to stop the run on this defense, and they don't have the guys to do it. Yeah. Alex Singleton is their best linebacker, in my opinion, Ed, and you know he should be sit, being second fiddle to a, a main linebacker. He shouldn't be the guy. 
Uh, Eric Wilson is not the guy at all. Doesn't so seem they, to be so far. No, they need they. They're gonna have they're gonna have to throw out their philosophy of the devalue of that position and pay a linebacker this offseason. They have to. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But schematically, I think Gannon's system's fine. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, he's trying to do what he can with what he's given, and you know, so far so good. Now, like I said, there will be some growing pains, and you hope they all stay healthy, and you hope that they find a way to adjust without Brandon Graham. Rodney McLeod should help the return of him. I think that strengthens the back end. Um, but you're still going to need to find a way to rush the passer. They didn't have a sack uh, against the Niners. Now they, you know, they had good pressure consistently. I think throughout the game, but you know they got to get home and they got it. They have to find a way. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, he should have sacked that guy a couple times, really. A couple. Um, yeah, I mean, now you know you have Dak, who you know he's fairly mobile. I don't think he's doing as much running or anything like that with the, you know coming off his ankle injury, but. Um, you know, you're going to have to get to him <clears throat> too. And he's a tough guy to bring down. He's a big guy. So mm-hmm. but you're going to have to get in his face and you're going to have to pressure him because, you know, he'll carve you up all day uh, with those receivers he has. And then you're going to have to find a way to stop that running game with Pollard and uh, Zeke Elliott. Yeah. I, I mean, t- Tony Pollard is actually outplaying Zeke this year. Yeah. So no, he's younger. He's fresher. Yeah. yeah. Don't slouch on Tony Pollard Eagles fans because he's going to be a factor in their offense this week. He's outplaying Zeke so far. Um, but Ed, you know, do you think this offense is going to, the Eagles offense is still struggling to find an identity? Cause I do. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you listen, you know, you, no tight ends, too much receivers. Then you don't throw to a receiver or a receiver doesn't have a catch after Watkins makes that 91 yard grab. The receiver's quiet the rest of the way. Right. Um, Boston Scott doesn't have a role. I mean, he could be a weapon. Jordan Howard would have been a nice guy to have on the goal line down there on that. You know, once you get that first and goal at the one, it'd be nice to have a guy that scored 30 plus touchdowns in his career uh, to give the ball to. He knows how to find the goal line. Um, so, yeah, there, there's still absolutely a work in progress on offense. And now, you know, Brandon Brooks is out. Um, you know, that's kind of overlooked. Now you're going to probably, and Nick Sirianni wouldn't commit to this on Monday. And I asked him, who gets the first team reps? And he said, still too early to say, you know, it could be Herbig. It could be Dickerson. I think it'll be Dickerson. He was the first guy up. He's got the higher pedigree. Um, so it's going to be Dickerson. Uh, and you hope that, you know, he can figure it out. I mean, he didn't have any training camp really other than the mental reps. Uh, but it looks like he'll probably be the guy starting at right guard. So now you have a rookie on that line, a uh, very highly touted rookie. Um, but, you know, it's going to be an adjustment to go with another guy and you know we've already seen the injuries how they impact an offensive line last year you hope that there are no more of them and Dickerson can find his way and maybe Brooks comes back in six weeks and maybe he doesn't have a job waiting for him because Dickerson has taken off and run with it Um, but again when you're talking about an identity uh, they're still looking for it and now you're going to be looking for it with a rookie starting at right guard probably they they would be they would have done a disservice to themselves if they weren't braced for Brandon Brooks not playing a full season, though. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, they were prepared. They they knew, even when they kept giving Jason Peters these contracts, that he was not going to play a full season for them. Uh, I believe they are well-equipped. Whether it's... Even if... It, I know Josh Driscoll is going to return at some point, too. Yeah. And, you know, I they liked... He played right guard this preseason, so they, they clearly thought something about him at right guard. Nate Herbig, I thought, filled in well for Brandon Brooks last year. They don't, they don't seem to be as high on him now 
as they were last year. And like you said, Dickerson has a great pedigree. So, uh, you know, he looks like he wasn't ready to be thrown into a game last last week. I mean, on this past Sunday. Right. Which is fine. To be honest with you, nobody, we didn't, it, it was on the fly. I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried about him. Whether they go with Herbig or when Driscoll comes back and they decide to throw Driscoll in there, you know, like I said, they would it would be a disservice to themselves if they didn't already have plan B in motion for right guard. Sure. They've got options, no doubt. You know, they have plenty, yeah, plenty full of options. But I mean, they, I think they knew at some point that they were going to have to plug somebody else in in right guard. But are any of them going to be as good as a Pro Bowl level Brandon Brooks? I mean, not in year one. I mean, I don't know. Herbig's in year two, but I mean, I, and so is Driscoll, but I mean, uh, no, uh, no, they'll be serviceable enough for sure. And, yeah. you know, say, I mean, Jeff Zoutland does the best job in the world of providing support for his guys that are fill-ins. So it makes them look better than they are, really, to be honest with you. He yeah. does a great job doing that. So I, I'm still, again, not incredibly as concerned as I am about Brandon Graham. You know, that's, that's right. a huge, more, more concerning to me. I think they should have been already prepared for Brandon Brooks. But again, it's a huge loss. Still a huge loss. Like you said, all pro player. Um, but he, they just, they've, they've had to expect this to happen. Yeah. They've had to. But I mean, I just think, you know, I, I've, I've seen a debate where, you know, people think the Eagles do have an identity in offense and they think it's the intermediate stuff. And I'm like, that can't be your identity. Well, I mean, I, I think they're trying – I mean, are they a 12-personnel team? Are they 11-personnel? I mean, at least when the under Doug Peterson, you knew they were a 12-personnel team because they played it. You know, right now, I don't think they really know what they are. They have these two good tight ends, but they also have these three young wide receivers. That There's so they much experience. There's just so much experience. Yeah, and your most experience is at tight end, but I, I they don't want to be too dependent on 12-personnel. But, you know, I don't think they really know what they are. You know, as RPOs, like I mentioned earlier, we didn't see a lot of those. Um, you know, Kenny Gainwell, they're only running two running backs. They only have two backs. In Indianapolis, they use three. I don't understand, you know, how Boston Scott can't get on the field. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with anybody that thinks they have a, an identity at this point. I mean, and even Lane Johnson said that they didn't know – the Eagles didn't know their identity in their Super Bowl season until I think it was week four against the Chargers when they went out to – uh, to play the Chargers, and they won 26-24. I mean, it takes time to find an identity. You're not going to, especially with a new head coach and a young quarterback, you're not going to come out in week two and know what you are. You may not know what you are until, you know, who, until, you know maybe middle of October. Uh, you can't be an intermediate later. offense in the NFL and, and be a f- successful franchise, though. You have to do other stuff in the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think they're, you know, are they a deep passing team? I mean, that's obviously Hurts can throw the deep ball. You know, are they a screen pass game? We didn't see a whole lot of bubble screens like we the saw. Commitment to eleven personnel is correct. Yeah, it is. They need to shift to that in this area of football. They do. It's just the truth. Um, but you have so much experience from the play calling standpoint and the receiver standpoint that I I don't understand why you can't just sprinkle it in while leaning on what you're comfortable with. You know, Dallas yeah. Goddard was second in the target share for. Jalen Hurts last year. Jalen Hurts is comfortable targeting him. He's comfortable targeting Rager. Like, you know, like you said, you got to have to do the slants. You're going to have to do the middle of the field stuff to get these guys in a rhythm. You know, Jalen Rager's a rhythm player, I believe, at this point. You know, yeah. he, he was in rhythm in Atlanta and then he was not in rhythm against San Francisco. You have to find a way to get him in a rhythm, get quick throws, throw the ball out quickly. If it's a, you know, a 10 yard button hook to Zach Ertz over the middle, then 
so be it. If it's a bubble screen to Quez Watkins, and listen, Quez Watkins to me is one of their most dangerous weapons. I mean, we've seen what he's mm-hmm. done. You got to get him a little more involved too. Agreed. Oh, absolutely agree. I mean, he led the team in the receiving. And it was all because of that one ninety-yard pass. Yeah, but that's what he gives you. You know, I mean, I would have liked to have seen them run him against the Monterey Lenore a lot more. Send him deep. You know, let him run, run deep patterns. I would have liked to have seen him take a couple more deep shots to Watkins after that. Agreed. Agreed. So, and you get to talk to the coordinators this week. And then there's not, you know, is there no open practice for you guys this week? You said. Well, yeah, then the schedule's just kind of pushed back this week. You know, it's a Monday night game. So, right. you know, they're off Tuesday. Wednesday's the, you know, we'll talk to you know, Gannon and Steichen and Michael Clay. Interesting. To, I'm sure he'll be asked a lot about that uh, field goal block. Um, can't have that. You know, 47 no. yard field goal is makeable to go up 6 nothing. I think it was 6 nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then Thursday is kind of back on the way a Wednesday would look if it was a Sunday game. You know, you have Jalen Hurts will talk. You know, practice will be open for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, see the same stuff, stretching, individual work, and then that's all you get to see. Same with Friday and then Saturday, same thing. Nick Sirianni will talk for the last time around 12 o'clock, I think, on Saturday, and then they're off to Dallas on Sunday, and so am I um, for the Monday nighter. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a schedule that's pushed back a week or by a day because of the Monday night game. Gotcha. All right, well, we'll be excited to hear your coverage and – See what comes over the rest of the week is uh it's Dallas week, baby. Yeah. You know, I they know. gotta beat Dallas. I think it's a winnable game. I you know, especially oh, very. now that they were smacked in the mouth. We'll see how they respond. It's gonna be interesting to see how they respond in Dallas. If they come out with, you know, a real fire, try to get the early lead, which Sirianni really likes to do. He likes to kind of get an early lead and make a team play from behind. That's you know, that's pretty much strategy for every coach. But you know, we'll see if they can do that. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how Nick Sirianni respond and this coach is that response to a loss. Yep. So uh, definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on for and play Josh Sweat. They will. Sirianni said that on Monday. He said, you know, he he can play more. He will play more. So he has a choice now. But I mean, you know, you're going to give a guy a $40 million deal. You got to play him. I mean, especially more than Derek Barnett and his bonehead penalties. Yeah. Clean that up, man. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hell not. Clean that up. Powered by Manscaped. Promo code code GoBirds. Yes, sir. Go birds, baby. Twenty percent off. All right, we'll see you guys soon. Ed will all right. Are you and McMullen are gonna do a preview? Yeah, yeah. We'll probably shoot something Friday. All right. Ed and John McMullen will do something Friday, so be on the lookout. They'll have the game preview against uh Eagles versus Dallas for Dallas week. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.